Hello and welcome to Facilitating Extraordinary. This is Travis Lozier and I'm joined by a special guest today, Ms. Jan Johnson. Welcome, Jan. Thank you, Travis. Jan, how long have we been talking about this podcast? Oh, at least a year. <laughs> at least a year. <laughs> and it's been every day since we've started talking about this that I've been looking forward to this session. So I'm glad it finally worked out to have you um, talk to us about, you know, um, all the great things that you've accomplished. And, you know, as we've talked about this session, this is going to be the first of, I hope, many sessions with you, Jan, talking about your experience um, in Baldridge and performance excellence. I think we could probably record days worth of content um, just listening to your stories and how you've had an impact on so many people. So um, you could see me smiling through the Zoom. The people that listen to the podcast won't be able to see me smile, but hopefully they can hear it in my voice. So um, thanks, Jan, for all that you've um, you've done, and uh, you know you've had a profound impact on on me and um, helped you know help me with a recent career you know transition. So now you're kind of stuck with me, aren't you? And we are thrilled that we are stuck with you, Travis. <laughs> yeah. So um, we've been talking about this for like a year, and believe it or not, there may be a handful of people that don't know much about Jan Johnson. And one of the stories I love to tell people is um, when we first started working together like five years ago, it was a quest for excellence concert. Not, or it, it felt like a concert, but it was the conference. And um, I think that particular year you had two award recipients at the national level. And here I am just learning about the framework and I see you going around the conference with like an entourage of people. I thought you were handing out <laughs> autographs, but that's just the type of impact you've had on, on this space. But why don't you talk a little bit um, about your background and how um, maybe a little bit about how you formed Jordan Johnson. Okay. So I, uh, when I got married, I was two years into college and like people did back then. Um, I quit school and Steve finished school and I got a job in San Antonio at USAA, which is a financial service company that lots of people are very familiar with. Um, I was given just unbelievable opportunities there. First and probably mostly important, most important is they allowed me to go back to school and finish my degree and supported me through that. And then I, I had I, I tell people I had five or six careers. They were all just at USAA. Um, I went through the customer service career path. Then I went into a training role. And then I went into a data analytics role, which Travis, you know me well enough to know that was way outside my comfort mm -hmm. zone. Um, but I had some wonderful mentors who taught me how to do data analytics. Uh, the big opportunity in that role was that I monthly I had to brief uh, at that time, it was General McDermott, who was our CEO, and I had to brief he and his executive team every month on our key performance indicators. So I really got deep into data analytics. And then from there, I was given an opportunity to become the director of strategic planning for the insurance company, the property and casualty insurance company. And that was the job that I was in when the Baldridge Award was first created. And I uh, got the document, landed on my desk one Thursday afternoon. We were on a four-day work week. USA was just this amazingly innovative company. 
and we had gone to a four-day work week actually in 1971. Wow. Um, I remember that date because I was almost nine months pregnant and I thought moving to 10-hour days was going to kill me. Um, but it didn't. Yeah. And I got it. I got the Baldridge criteria on my desk on a Thursday afternoon and thought, well, I'll look at that Monday. And when I opened it up, it was due in nine days. And it had a note attached to it from our CFO that said, Jan, we need to apply for this award and win it for McD before he retires. And he was retiring in two years, um, actually in three years. So, um, I wrote probably one of the worst Baldridge applications that was ever submitted <laughs> because I really didn't know really much about process. And so when we asked, you know, when we were asked to define our key processes, I didn't even list underwriting, which in property and casualty insurance is probably one of the more important processes, but I didn't even list that. So um, not surprisingly, we didn't get a site visit that year. So um, we, the organization made the decision to create a corporate quality organization. And I went into that organization as the director. And my real role was to pull together a lot of performance improvement entities um, and we had that responsibility, but also a big part of the responsibility was writing our next Baldridge applications. We wrote two more applications, got two national site visits, but did not win the award. At that time, the criteria was very heavily skewed toward uh, the process categories and not as much on results. I tell people now if, if it were the same criteria, we would have won the second year, but uh, it wasn't to be. Yeah. And the company made the decision at that point to stop using the Baldridge framework. They said, obviously, this doesn't really fit us. And so they made the decision to go away from Baldridge. By that time, I had a staff of about 10 people. And we were doing all sorts of process improvement work, which we were going to continue doing. But losing that, the opportunity to really aggressively use the framework for me was pretty devastating because I had seen the impact that that could have on an organization. So I'd been with USA 24 years and I made the decision that um, I was going to jump out on my own and start consulting. And I had been doing a lot of speaking at conferences because there had not been a service winner and Baldridge was a hot topic at all of the conferences. So I had been on, on a variety of, of uh, speaking engagements where people would come up and say, could you help us do this? And of course I couldn't because I had a real job. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I uh, made the decision to leave USA. Uh, that was, gosh, 27 years ago now. And um, I started Jordan Johnson. My first clients had all been former executives at USA who had gone on to other careers with other companies. So that was kind of nice. But um, my big opportunity really with the company came when I was at Baldridge training and met a man named Ken Best, who was the director of quality for the Boeing company. At that time, it was McDonnell Douglas. Um, and McDonnell Douglas had been one of the early, early supporters of the Baldridge framework. Sandy McDonald had actually been on the original, he was one of the signers of the original legislation that created the Baldridge framework. Mm -hmm. And they had an internal Baldridge program that, um, that they required every one of their businesses to, to go through. And 
can put together teams of six or seven national Baldridge examiners to go in and do these independent assessments of the McDonnell Douglas facilities. And I was fortunate enough that Ken asked me to be a part of that. And the first assessment that I did for them was um, of the airlift and tanker group in Long Beach, California. They built the big C-17. They happened to be the highest performing division within the, within the McDonnell Douglas family. And shortly after we did the assessment, David Spong got a call from Harry Stonecipher, who said, we want you to apply for the National Baldridge Award. And after much resistance and fighting back, I think Harry finally said to David, David, I think my name on the, on the wall says CEO, and I think yours says general manager. I want <laughs> you to apply for this. So David willingly did that. <clears throat> and... Uh, he called me and asked if I would be able to work with them. And that was really my start of working with Boeing, which turned into a, a multi, multi-year relationship with that organization. So that's a, a long way to say how I started the company. Well, I think this goes without saying that um, there's hundreds of organizations, thousands of people that are grateful that you made that decision that I'm sure was a tough decision to leave USAA that had given you so many opportunities. But what a gift that when you make that tough decision to have so many of your past colleagues and then to have a company like Boeing come knocking on your door to say, hey, will you help us with this um, really important work? I think that's a testament to the impact you had there and what you've gone on to do with Jordan Johnson. Um, over these last couple decades, really, when you look back at your history. So, um, you know, Travis, I'd, I'd add just one other thing. When I took that leap of faith, and it really was a leap of faith because I'd grown up at USAA. And when I jumped out on, on that, it was interesting because my husband was an educator and he had become a principal of a high school. And for the first time in our marriage, he was actually making as much money as I was. And so when I came home and talked with Steve about it, he said, go do it. You've been talking about this. It's something you want to try, jump out there and do it. Um, <clears throat> unbeknownst to me, he had um, about two weeks after that, he got a call from St. Mary's University. He was all but dissertation on his PhD and they offered him a job and it was a dream job. He, was, he started a program in ed leadership a master's program in ed leadership, but it also was about a $140,000 pay cut. <laughs> so we went from a guaranteed income of, oh, well over 200,000. This was 1971, 70, 1994 rather, and which was a pretty nice income. We went to a guaranteed income of $40,000. So I didn't have a lot of choices to be successful. <laughs> if I wanted to feed my family, I had to make sure I was successful. Um, and so I was really blessed and my whole career, I, I felt, I feel like it has just been a blessed career. Yep. You know, I've worked hard. There's no doubt about that, but I've also been given just phenomenal opportunities and people like Ken Best and David Spong, who, who inspired me with their leadership have been a real blessing to me. Well, Jan, you're a, you're a really mm -hmm. easy person to root for. And just in this short interview, you've mentioned Steve a handful, if not a dozen times already. And I think that's an attribute to the way you live your life. It's about your family and all of this. Um, I know personally, that's what attracted me to you and uh, fell in, you know, people fall in love with you right away. And I, you know, and it's just, 
I think it's your authentic, um, it's, um, you know, the family atmosphere you create. And there's no question your clients feel that. Um, I know in our short, um, I've only been working with you for a quarter, but I've been on numerous car rides with clients when a CEO will pick up the phone and call you out of the blue. Nothing's scheduled. You're just a trusted advisor to people. Um, and you're a gift to a lot of people. But, but what, what do you... one of the things that I, I oftentimes say, Travis, is I have a lot of really dear friends who started out as clients. Yeah. And that's really true because yeah. um, I think, you know, just from working with us for a short period of time now, Travis, our clients do become part of our families. We care about our clients. We yeah. care about their success, but we also care about them as people. And that's been, that's been a blessing to me throughout my career. Yeah, one of the... One of the questions I had next was about what do you love most about the work you do and, and with your clients, which this is a nice segue to that. And I think, you know, given the, the current state of this coronavirus pandemic, I've just, um, you know, sitting back watching you try to make sure you connect and take care of your family, which are our clients, mm -hmm. and being willing to, you know, we've got to do what's best for the clients. And if we have to defer payments and all of these things that you absolutely are doing to put these people first, those are things you would do for your, for your mom, your brother, your, you know? So, so what, what is it that drives that passion for you when it comes to Jordan Johnson and, and our clients? It's somehow rooted in the family piece, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think it is. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's the ability to make a difference. Um, it's to make a difference for those CEOs and executive leaders that we're working with. It's to make a difference through them for the people that they lead. You know, one of the things that we do is we do a, we do a lot of executive coaching. And I think we do become trusted advisors with our clients and with the CEOs that we work with. And one of the things, and you know this from the work that we did together previously, one of the things I tell every one of my clients when we're in the interview process is they interview me, but I interview them as well. Yeah. And one of the things that we absolutely are, are just hard and fast about is that if we can't work at the CEO and executive team level, we don't take those clients. And the reason for that is we can't make a difference day in and day out with frontline employees because we're not there day in and day out. Mm -hmm. We can make a difference with the leaders who then make a difference in those lives. And I, I just, you know, I've done this long enough that I look at the data and our, our employee satisfaction scores go up with every single one of our clients. Our member or our customer engagement scores go up with every single one of our clients and they become better places for people to work and they become better places for people to do business with. So that's it. It's feeling like we can make a difference and make companies better places for people to, to be, you know, nine, 10, 12 hours a day. Right. <clears throat> and I know you would never say this. So I'm going to ask you the question. Um, how many Baldridge Award winners have you helped coach? We, we have coached um, 11 national Baldridge recipients, and I'm extremely proud of that. Um, I'm probably more proud of the fact that we work with our clients for years, and winning the Baldridge Award is, is not the, the pinnacle. It's yeah. an exciting point in, in the life of a company, and I'll tell you, I'm the first ones cheering them along when they 
or receiving that award, but it's a moment in time. We work with most of our clients for years. Um, many of our clients who've been Baldwin's recipients are still our clients. Um, in fact, one of the, you mentioned that we met at the Quest when Hill Country Memorial and uh, Elevations Credit Unions won in 2014. Um, Hill Country, we still work with. You're working with them a great deal right now around yep. uh, Lean Six Sigma and, and rapid improvement events. And, and uh, we're working with Jerry Agnes at Elevations because they're applying for the Baldridge Award again. But we have continued those relationships far longer than, than that Baldridge win. Yeah. And I think, you know, Baldridge, sometimes people hear Baldridge and they think it's about the award. And mm -hmm. when I've started working more with you, Jan, <clears throat> we hardly ever talk about Baldridge. We, yeah. we come into organizations and help them solve organizational problems from, from leadership to strategic planning to enterprise process maps when you look at the services we have to offer, it's pretty broad in what we can help yes. organizations do. And I think sometimes that's a misconception when they, they hear, I, I think even our brand sometimes they think, oh, that's Baldridge. And when in fact, that's not, that, that's just a small portion of what we do. Would you agree with that? I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think, you know, when I went through sort of my career at USAA, I, I literally worked within every single one of the Baldridge Framework categories. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point I was a senior leader, so that was category one. I was director of strategic planning, that was category two. Uh, when I was over corporate quality, one of the things that McBee had said to me is, I want you to be the conscience of our member. So that was category three. Yeah. The data analytics job was all about category four. I actually started my career um, in human resources. And then my training role was in human resources. And then when I was in the operational world for three years, that was all of the operations piece. So, you know, organizations get strong by having a breadth of knowledge and experience. And we do bring all of those things to our clients. One of the things that I'm I'm uh, also proud of is we have a number of our clients who have never applied for the Baldridge Award. For example, I've worked with the Eaton Corporation for, oh gosh, 15 years probably. They do an internal Baldridge process. They've never applied for the award, but I, I've helped them write case studies. I've trained their internal examiners. Um, we work with other companies like Vera Bradley, for example. We worked with Vera Bradley for almost three years doing some re-engineering work in one of their key processes. And so um, I, I think part of what is fun about our role is we do lots of different things with lots of different clients. And I think we've put a team together that's a pretty extraordinary team with the, the capabilities that, that we have internally to go into organizations and really help them in almost every area of their work. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. I, I think that you've orchestrated um, and put together some very talented people, not, not including me, of course, but um, <laughs> the, the people that I'm on the team with. And, you know, even in my short amount of time with Jordan Johnson, I haven't seen an organizational problem that we couldn't help with. Mm -hmm. And I think that even during this coronavirus pandemic, I think that we're seeing clients come to us um, asking for things that, um, you know, they may not ha have thought of us first because, mm -hmm. I mean, we've just got a vast amount of knowledge and talent on the team 
um, yeah. to address, I, I believe we could address any kind of organizational problem that, you know, a system's trying to solve just because of the systemsness um, that's ingrained in, in our team. So you mentioned 11 national Baldridge winners that you've helped coach um, in proportion so people know that that that's like over 10%, isn't it? Or it's greater than 10% of the Baldridge winners. I think there've been about 124, 25 recipients now. So it's pretty close. <laughs> pretty close to 10% of the, of the winners that you've had some type of impact on. And that's, that's pretty incredible. When you think about the leadership, Jan, who's influenced you most as a leader, you think? You know, Travis, that's one of the enormous gifts that I've had um, through this experience. I've worked with so many gifted leaders and gifted in such different ways. Um, you know, I mentioned David Spong. David is British. He's a PhD, I think, engineer, um, I think electrical engineer, um, but David is just this quiet gentleman. He um, is not a bombastic leader. Uh, he's not really very charismatic. He's just genuine and one of the best leaders I've ever observed. Um, I've worked with very charismatic leaders. Um, you know, I think of of Brian Mills at, at Community Health Network. Brian is one of the best leaders I've ever seen in front of a group and can inspire um, great confidence and trust in a leader. Jane Pope is another one of my, my heroes. Um, Jane is the CEO at Hill Country Memorial. Jane, again, cares deeply about her people. Um, she is, she connects with people on a, on a level that I think is pretty extraordinary. And, you know, one of the things that I love about Jane and also consistently coach her about um, is Jane takes everything that is, is unfavorable and puts it all on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, if something bad happens, Jane takes full responsibility, whether or not she had any responsibility in it at all. But she, she truly believes, you know, the old buck stops here. Jane lives by that motto. Um, and it's just such an amazing, genuine leader. Um, I've just, I have been blessed to work with, you know, we, I did some work with GE for almost three years and, and got to hear, I, I said I should have paid them instead of them paying me. Uh, we wrote case studies for uh, GE that they used in their leadership center at Crotonville. And one of the things that they did is they talked about, they had senior executives from GE come in and talk about their defining moments of leadership. So I heard Jeff Imelt speak. I heard Jim McNerney speak. I, I have just had the opportunity to learn from so many amazing leaders. And one of the, I think the big conclusions that I've drawn from that is leaders come in all shapes and sizes and genders and ethnicities. They, they come in all different styles and you can be an amazing leader and not fit a cookie cutter pattern. And I've just been blessed to work with all of those. And I could go on and on and on because I've got a lot of hero leaders. Yeah. And I'm captivated here too, just listening. I, I think people would listen to you for days, Jan, talk about um, the people that you've been able to connect with. And I, I'm sure a lot of them would say similar things about you. This is probably the toughest question I'm going to ask you, Jan, is 
what, what is your greatest accomplishment or what, what do you think you would say to that question? What, what's your greatest accomplishment so far? And we've talked, we've got years left, right? I mean, this is not <laughs> over. So, I just, so what, what would you say to date? Let's just frame it that way. To date, what is yeah. your greatest accomplishment? I, I think the greatest accomplishment, and this isn't just my accomplishment because it's our company's accomplishment, but I think it goes back to, to what I said earlier. It's making a difference in these companies. It's looking at a, a company like we work with a small credit union, 140, 140 people, employees. Um, when we started working with them four years ago, they didn't have a leadership system. They didn't have any kind of defined process improvement methodology. Um, they didn't have a lot of good customer information. And I've watched that small credit union put in place the disciplines around the Baldrige framework and their results have just gone up and up and up. And the last two years, they've had the strongest performance in every one of those key indicators. Their financial performance, which I think is the lagging indicator of all lagging indicators, but they've had the two best financial years they've ever had in the history of the credit union. More importantly, they have gone from workforce satisfaction below the median to top decile workforce satisfaction. They have they have frontline leaders who are engaged in process improvement and driving improvement for their members. And that's what, that's where we get our rewards is when we see those kinds of results that our clients are getting through applying the discipline and the rigor of the Baldrige framework, it feels really good to know that you're making a difference. You know, one of the things I'm really proud of is I look at elevations as another example. Elevations, when we first started working with them, did not have a single documented, well, they had some documented processes, but they didn't follow those. Um, and for the most part, they really didn't have many defined processes at all. They have become the number one mortgage lender in the entire state of, of Colorado. They're actually, I think, the 11th largest, largest mortgage lender in all credit unions, and they can only lend in Boulder in, I'm sorry, in Colorado, beyond Boulder, but that is their main market. But I've watched that company grow. They have probably now tripled in size in the number of employees. That means those are jobs that help people feed their families and take care of their futures. And um, that's, that's rewarding. You see that kind of growth and impact and it feels really good. Yeah, that, there's nothing I can think of that would be more rewarding than that, seeing the impact to communities, to these people and these organizations. So um, Jan, this has been a gift today, listening to you share the stories that you've, from how you got started to what you're most proud of. And we're just getting started in, in a lot of ways <laughs> for sure, right? So, I look forward to that. Yeah, and we'll have you back for sure. Um, and I think people could listen to you for days and we'll maybe go through each category and talk about um, specific, you know, specific stories and concepts, because I think if we methodically went through that, Jan, just hearing your background on some of these things, um, this could be an additional way that you could help continue to help hundreds of people, if not thousands in different organizations. So um, cheers to the start of this <laughs> podcast. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I'll never forget it now because it was one of the first trips that I went on with, with Jordan Johnson um, 
it was the a credit union in, in Tampa. And I was sitting there with the main contact there. And she said to me, she's like, isn't Jan just, just so awesome. And, you know, Jan makes me feel like I'm the only person that matters. And I said, I sat there was reflecting to her and she'll know this story. And I said, she made me feel that way too. And <laughs> Courtney's like, I think that she makes everyone feel that way. So I hope that through these dialogues and through these podcasts, um, you know, you can connect with more people. That, that's my objective. And um, if I can ask you some tough questions, I'll do that too. <laughs> okay. Sounds good, Travis. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jan.